Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are uh, back in the book of Joel. And we're jumping back in where we took off last time. Um, uh, We'll jump in around um, verse 4 and extend down to verse uh, 15, 14, 15. Now remember, Joel is now describing this day of the Lord, and it's a terrible day. Chapter 1 was sort of given a prequel to it, how bad things were. And uh, and then day 2 begins with the sounding of a trumpet, and the day of the Lord is coming. And um, the, this army, whether it's a metaphor of uh, an army coming, uh, God's army coming, or, uh, you know, talking about these locusts that the world has never seen, a plague like the world has never seen. It's coming. And, um, you know, it's a disaster. It is a disaster of all disasters. And, you know, you know, it comes to my mind when we think about things in the news, when we think about, uh, you know, health care disasters, or when we're thinking about the coronavirus going around the world right now. People think, oh, you know, we're all worried and scared and everything. And then you think about this. This is, a, this is much worse than that. And you see a lot of times human nature revealing itself during disaster. You're seeing some people who are always confident looking scared and worried and coming unglued. And then you see people sometimes that you don't really think that uh, are very strong people, but in a time of disaster, you sometimes find that these people are really, really strong people. But then you think, well, maybe the the real religious people will be real, real strong. But sometimes in a time of disaster, their faith just is not very strong. And so this disaster is not only stronger than anything we you know we'll ever see the world will ever see anything like it but it is uh separating uh those who have uh pure hearts for god uh from other from everybody else and it's really bad and sometimes it you know <clears throat> McGee points out that sometimes God uses these things to get our attention. You know, it foreshadows what's coming. 
You know, and if we look at the Bible, if we look at the Bible through God's eyes, through our Heavenly Father's focus, you know, you know, as we saw in James, you know, God uses all these various trials and, and tests for us to prepare us in preparing us to be more like him. But it prepares us <clears throat> for um, the, the ultimate trust in him. We have to trust him with our lives. We have to trust him that in death he's going to raise us back up. And if we don't, if we can, how can we trust him with our very, with our very souls if we can't trust him with natural disasters or, or hurricanes or floods or earthquakes or even famines or even uh, plagues or, you know, pandemics or, you know, all these infection things, infectious processes. So we have to be able to trust God to take care of us through anything, through whatever things that are going to come up in the world. So let's jump in and and uh, look at and see what Joel's talking about today. Verse 14, he's talking about these these uh, these great and powerful uh, people, these, uh, perhaps they're locusts, perhaps they're something we've never seen, but they are destroying the earth. Their appearance is like of horses, and like war horses they run. This is verse 4. Verse 5, as with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawing up for battle. You know, it's like a fire. There's nothing left when the flame goes through and burns up the wood, even the stubble. There's nothing left. This, this army is like a fire. Six, before them, the people are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Okay, so this is separating anyone with faith in God from those who don't and whose faith is really not uh, a steadfast faith for sure. Now they're describing these people. Verse seven, like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. So this is this is either a terrible, terrible, terrible locust plague, perhaps with locusts that the world has never seen, you know, because this is kind of describing the way locusts march, or maybe it's something totally different. Verse 10, the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The day of the Lord is going to look tough, and the earth is going to be dark. If the sun is darkened and the moon is darkened, can you imagine, you know, all these things all over the world, you know, and just destroying everything? And you, we don't have either maybe power or light to even see the damage. Or even during the daytime, we don't even have daylight. Verse 11, the Lord utter, utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Again, a reference to the day of the Lord that is coming. This is the coming of the Christ and uh, in, his, in his power. And 
all mankind is going to be shown um, just how lowly man is before the Lord. Verse 12, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. In other words, tear your you know, tear your hearts or anguishing your hearts instead of trying to ripping, ripping your garments in, in anguish. Even then, God says, if you repent and turn to me, return means repent, change your mind, change your heart. Even before the Lord Christ comes, the Lord wants to save everyone. So he's not coming to earth just without mercy, but he's coming to earth to destroy the sin in the world. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This day of the Lord did not come quickly, or we probably would have already had it in human history. The day of the Lord should have been around Adam and Eve during the sin, but all this time has elapsed. And we don't even know when the day of the Lord is coming. It may be it may be centuries from now. Who knows? But the day of the Lord is coming and it's not coming quickly because God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. <clears throat> and he relents over disaster. In other words, he is he is going to stop the disaster eventually. Verse 14, who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. My study Bible says that his sovereign God acts according to his own purposes. Turn and relent. This language leaves open the possibility that the Lord, in keeping with his Revealed character will bring blessing instead of this ultimate disaster. So again, Joel is saying only God knows what's going to happen. It's his sovereignty. These are his decisions. And the outcome of all this is in his hands. So he's appealing. He is appealing for repentance on those he's still trying to save. And so what it's really looking like is this day of the Lord is not only meant to destroy sin, to destroy uh, evil in the world, but it is also meant to save a component of the world. So... A very, very powerful um, prophecy here. This is the world's destiny. It's the world's destiny. So how important this is for our faith, how important it is for our steadfastness, and in, in reflection back to James, when we're facing trials of every kind, this is God's purpose for each one of us that we may, we may become more steadfast because the purpose for each one of us is not unlike the purpose for the world. The world has to face this as well. The world has to face the trials 
And it's ultimately the great tribulation coming before Jesus Christ ultimately can bring his new kingdom into the world. So we'll end here and we'll continue our study of Joel uh, tomorrow. This is a very, very uh, interesting book so far. So from me to all of you, God bless you. I'll see you next time. And remember to keep your hearts centered on Christ. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 4 all the way to verse 14. So in our study so far from chapter 1 of the book of Joel, he began by describing the locust plague that they were experiencing in that time in his day and Joel was the first writing prophet and he was in the southern kingdom and you know he likened the great locust plague to um, a day that was coming in future and he called this day the day of the Lord so he actually talked about this day that it uh, was going to be like nothing they had never ever seen before um you know something that would they would not even be able to compare it to anything and um it was nothing that was they were they could actually liken it to the future so joel was um you know telling them about um you know the the plague that they were having he told them that you know this was a warning from god about their sin and their sin then was um that's been actually talked about is drunkenness um it wasn't idolatry because by that time obviously idolatry hadn't yet crept into their system yet so he likened the locust plague to a day that was coming which he labeled as the day of the lord and this um, set the pace for all the other prophets who mention this day, the day of the Lord. So it begins at night and it starts with um, the great tribulation. So that's the future and it will be concluded at the end of the millennium when Christ puts down the final rebellion and the eternal kingdom begins. So the day of the Lord begins with the great tribulation so it begins you know with darkness and it moves into the millennial kingdom so now here in chapter two you know the first three verses we looked at joel actually blends in like really really well um the locust plague into the day of the lord so you know you have similarities and contrasts to you know their local situation the locust plague so in every prophet in the bible god actually takes a local situation and blends it into the future that's what usually happens we, we also saw that like in the book of hosea god got his personal experience and you know blended it well into what was going to happen into the future so now scripture reads from verse 4 um, of joel chapter 2 um and i begin to read their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds so they run verse 5 with a noise like chariots over mount 
tintops they leap like the noise of a flaming fire and that devours the stubble like a strong people set in battle array verse 6 before them the people wreathed in pain all faces are drained of color so like you can see he's not obviously talking about the locusts plague now he's moving into the future so now here he is describing the locust plague and he's making an application of it to the day of the lord so you know like here it says um before them the people wreathe in pain all their faces are drained of color so it's going to be a painful gloom and doom period you know if you're not sealed by that seal of god you will not be able to survive it so here it says they will be scorched and burnt verse 7 goes on to read they run like mighty men they climb the wall like men of war everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks so now here you know we had seen earlier on um in our previous study you know in the book of proverbs we actually read that you know the prophets um sorry what am i saying the locusts go forth in bands um you know when um joel had actually described the different bands of locusts so they go forth in band bands but they don't have a king or a ruler or a leader and each one of them actually knows their place so in the last days uh, in that land another enemy will actually come up in that land and it will be like you know a locust plague so he likens it he makes that application so this gave um you know what joel prophesied it gave preparation for what john later on wrote and that was in revelations 9 beginning at verse 1 let me just turn to revelations 9 and beginning at verse 1 it says then the fifth angel sounded and i saw a star fallen from the heaven to the earth to him was given the key to the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace so the sun and the air were darkened because the smoke because of the smoke of the pit then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power they were commanded not to harm the grass or the earth or any green thing or any tree but only those men who do not have the seal of god on their foreheads so you know these are strange locusts obviously it's not they're not regular locusts because regular locusts just go after you know um god's green earth you know the grass um the crop and 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 you know um basically yeah the grass and the crop and the food so verse five goes on to read and they were not even and they were not given authority to kill them but to torment them for five months their torment was like the torment of a scorpion which when it strikes a man so you know here at this particular period they were tormented they couldn't even pick death as an option verse 6 goes on to read in those days men will seek death and will not find it they will desire to die and death will flee them the shape of the locust was like 
horses prepared for battle on their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men they had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth so now here you know we see like um this will actually take place during the great tribulation period and we see joel actually makes preparation um you know he lays the groundwork for john to come along and give us a detailed description of um you know that day of what he saw so the book of joel is actually very essential to understanding the book of revelations to know what joel is actually saying so for us to actually understand what joel is saying you know and for us to understand what um the book of revelations means you know we need to also read the book of um joel and um but the given that he pointed out the fact that you know if you're a bible scholar you're starting to read the bible the word of god the key book for to understand you know um the book of of um of revelations is acts you begin with the book of acts and like beginning with the book of revelations so verse 7 of the book of joel goes on to read um they run like mighty men they climb the wall like men of war everyone marches in formation and they don't break ranks so you know here we have a description of them and Joel here is now beginning to move from the local um plague from you know the local situation into the future that which is um you know coming the day of the lord so which he has already labeled as you know the day of the lord so verse 8 goes on to read they do not push one another everyone marches in his own column though they lunge between the weapons they are not cut down so now verse 9 goes on to read they run to and fro in the city they run on the wall they climb into the houses they enter at the windows like a thief the earth quakes before them the heaven trembles and the sun and moon grow dark and the stars diminish their brightness so here this is more you know than just it's past the local situation it's past you know that locust plague this is also the picture that john actually gave us that you know will take place in the great tribulation period verse 9 goes on to read the lord gives voice before his army for his camp is very great for strong is the one who executes his word for the day of the lord is great and the very and very terrible who can endure it so here um now here we have um 
you know this fits in what the lord jesus christ actually said you know now the day of the lord is mentioned again here i think this is like a third time it's being mentioned um so this is what jesus christ actually said he said uh, except those days were shortened no flesh would survive so here it says who can endure it so in the book of revelations john actually gives the answer and he said at the beginning of the this period that's the great tribulation period god shut down everything you know all the forces of nature he just shut them down and god said the only people who would make it through this period are the people who will have to be sealed and he sealed you know the 144,000 of the nation israel and the great company of the gentiles so the day of the lord begins in darkness and um and and it ends with the millennial kingdom just like the hebrew day begins at sunset so um you know scripture says weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning and this is the joy that comes in the morning after the darkness that's the day of the lord verse 12 of the book of joel goes on to read now therefore says the lord turn to me with all your heart with fasting with weeping and mourning so here you know now what can god's people do you know what can a sinner actually do in this particular period like in this particular day that we're living in so here we have you know as a sinner as a child of god turn to god so the word turn here means to repent and it's not the modern day meaning of repenting like okay you know you go by the altar and cry a bucket of tears it's to actually turn you know to turn your heart your whole heart to god to repent it doesn't mean you know just to shed tears it means to change your mind so you know you have the shedding of tears the weeping the mourning it's a byproduct of repenting a lot of us people actually tend to think if i go and cry and shed my blood and fast and all then i have repented that's just a byproduct fasting weeping and mourning is all a byproduct of repenting you know god wants us not to tear our garments but to also tear our heart so lots of people believe that if they just go to the altar and you know shed a few tears then um they actually converted but this is actually meaningless verse 13 goes on to read so rend your heart and not your garments see tear your heart not your garments return to the lord your god for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and of great kindness and he is, and he relents from doing harm so here now you know this you know repenting is to be a heart experience and not just an outward you know ritual experience you know don't show it by actually just being a fanatic and just go out there and just cry and tear your clothes and start fasting and mourning so that everyone can actually see it we're supposed to turn our hearts you know tear the tears should not be outward the tears should be in our hearts so return unto the lord 
Let's repent. And this is repentance. We should turn to him because, you know, the reason why we turn to him is because he's gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, and we should turn to him now. Verse 14 goes on to read, Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? So now um, the Lord will actually bless you and me in the field and um, in our vineyards, basically just our lives. And, um, you know, he will, we will give him um, a drink um, and a meal offering and, you know, take it to the Lord. So a drink offering is... um, you know, mentioned here, but it's n- there's no instruction of a drink offering in the book of Leviticus, you know, because uh, um, because this was part of the other offering. It because it was poured on another offering, and it was part of the other offerings. So they actually poured it on, and it just went up in steam. And Paul had actually mentioned, I I just don't remember. I think it's in the book of Ephesians that he would. Like he wanted his life to just be like a drink offering, um, you know, on the sacrifice of Christ to just go up in steam as he felt like he didn't amount to much because God was so gracious and so merciful for him. Sorry, to him. So, yeah, um, this is the teaching for today. Um, and, you know, application can be made and you know um joe has moved beautifully into you know blended the 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 local um situation into you know the future like he foresaw way way into the future and he blended it well with um the locust plague that they had with the great tribulation period so yeah, this is um today's teaching. Thank you all for listening and hope you you know picked out a few pointers like I did. God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.